Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. Awesome, awesome. Well, welcome. Uh, if this is your first time, can we give all our first time guests a round of applause? We'll just clap for everybody today. So glad you're here with us this morning. Uh, my name is Braden. I'm the senior pastor, and we're just really glad that you're here. And uh, we're going to be continuing a series today that we call Family Tune-Up Series. We do every year, if not multiple times a year. It's something near and dear to the heart of this house, or at the heart of this house. And so um, before we get going, I want to have a, a little bit of a family talk, if you will. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, uh, Joel Stockstill came and preached a message. How many of you guys were here and heard Joel Stockstill preach on everyone's Sunday? Uh, Joel was incredible, and, and it was a unique message if you were sitting here and going, man, that's, that's different than any message I've ever heard, even the way he delivered it. There was a lot, lot about that, that message that was different. Well, that was a very prophetic message. The whole message, you've heard people talk about, well, that was a prophecy. That entire message was prophetic, and I loved what even Keith told me. Uh, the next Sunday, he said he felt like it was a charge. It was a prophetic charge for our house, and he went through several things, talking through uh, the story of Nehemiah and the different gates of the city, and one of, the, one of the things that he charged this house, some of it was prophetic in that we've done some of these things, but it was to stay the course in them. And then there were a few other things that he added that are uh, supposed to be markers for us as a community and as a church. And the first gate that he mentioned was the fish gate. You guys remember the, the fish gate. And, and, and the way he taught it and the way he explained it was this fish gate was symbolic that we as a church were supposed to keep the main thing the main thing as a church. And the main thing, talking about fish, Bible told the disciples, or Jesus told the disciples, he said, I'm going to make you what? Fishers of men. And so the main thing, it's the great commission, it's the main thing is that souls are one into the kingdom. Have you guys understand that's still the main thing? We can sit here and do all the, all the crazy stuff and all the fun stuff, and we can see all, it's still the main thing that people come to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. And so uh, the Bible talks about believing the prophet and so shall you prosper. Well, we believe that that was a word for us. And so we've been as a staff been talking through some of those things and how do we get in alignment with that, with that word that Joel spoke. And, um, and I just want to get your help in something. One of the things that happens if, when you've been here for a while, you kind of get to know the flow of the service uh, you know, I'm going to preach a message, and somewhere towards the end, the piano player's going to come up, and that's really when the Holy Spirit shows up. He doesn't come before the piano comes up. And uh, so we, we, you start to understand how the service flow works. And uh, I would just ask you to help me in this. At, the, at, at that point in the service, we're fixing to be asking people to make the most important decision they've ever made in their life, or ever will make in their life. And that's to say yes to Jesus. Can we agree that's still the n- most important thing that could happen today if someone say yes? And so I'm just asking you to, to help me in this. Let's just stay still. Let's stay in our seats. There's gonna be, I, know, uh, I know you get hungry, especially when I preach too long like I did the first service. I know kids check out, can get crazy and things like that. But one of the, it's the simplest thing that you can do to align yourself with not just the vision of this house, but the vision of our Heavenly Father that all come to know the saving, come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ by just staying still, stay in your seats, and allow those people to really focus on what God's doing in their heart. Can you help me in doing that? Uh, moving forward, we'll kind of remind us uh, more and more moving forward about uh, just, just staying really focused and allowing that time to kind of be sacred. Amen? We good? Awesome. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Um, and for those, of, those that are wondering, I am still, I'm like dad-momming hardcore right now. So like, 
mom is still at the house taking care of, of baby Evan, and uh, so I'm doing a lot more uh, mama duties than I used to, used to do, and I am falling in love with my wife, every one I do, more and more. Uh, I was not made for this. Uh, I was not, and so um, there's that. But I, last week we talked about, I, I told you the story about my kids in Starbucks, and some were wondering, did you go get your kids a Starbucks this morning? No, I did not. <laughs> but I did make them a fresh one at home by myself. So uh, they, got their, they got their Starbucks this morning, got their, got their lattes. And so uh, anyway, it kind of goes in the flow of what we're talking about. We're talking about parenting, our family tune-up series. We're talking about marriage, parenting, finances. Last week we started on parenting. We're going to continue with that. Uh, again, I, although I do believe there's some, there's some things in this that apply to every single one of us in this room, maybe today more so than, than any time. We read from 1 Timothy chapter 3. We'll read it again. This was our primary text. It says, This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, which, just, which is just a leader, he desires a good work. <clears throat> a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission, King James Version says subjection, with all reverence, King James Version says gravity, so he's saying having your children in subjection with all gravity, for if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Now, clearly, he's talking to church leadership here, but what we've learned is that when God's making something a requirement for church leadership, he's at the same time making it the target for everyone else. Why would he require church leaders to have some of this in place? Why is the home so important to him? Why is it a requirement that a church leader have their children in subjection, which means they are submitted to? They have given up their control. They said, I'm not going to be in control. Mom and dad are in control. They've given up that control to their, to their mother and their father. And also it says, with all, with all gravity or in harmony with. In other words, they're not just submitting to you, they're in harmony with you. They're, they're walking with you, which the assumption is that you're walking the direction that you need to, to be walking as well, and they're going with you as you follow God. Why is that so important that that's the case with church leadership? Because God wants that to, look, to be your life as well. God actually has an uh, a system in place where parent, as far as parenting is concerned, as the home is, is concerned, your, your home doesn't have to feel like a war zone. Raise your hand if you have kids. Do you know what I mean when I say war zone? When you wake up and you're like, you start strapping on, like, <clears throat> <laughs> there are times when it's like, uh, <laughs> what is it you say, Natalie, rain the crazy in Tuck the crazy in. Sometimes you got to tell your kids, y'all need to tuck the crazy in. Just tuck it in. Get it all inside. That, 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 is, that, is real, that is real life. That is what it feels like at times. But God's literally saying it doesn't have to feel like a war zone. You, the home does not have to be a place of utter chaos. Don't buy into the lie that, well, I mean, okay, I get all that, but what about two-year-olds? What about three-year-olds? What about teenagers? What, what, what's going on? There can, be a, there can be harmony in the home. Now, the Bible's very, very clear. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of every child. Anybody seen that? It's in there. It's bound up. Locks, straight jackets, it don't want to come off. 
But what he's saying here is there, there actually is a way that there can be peace in, in the home. And, and, and so we talked about some of that last week. And I want to just follow up with maybe some more practical stuff today. Um, maybe in helping you answer this question, it's kind of a, it's a generic question, but one of the things when it comes to parenting, we all ask ourselves this question concerning our kids. What do I do when my kid does fill in the blank? And I'm, never ceases to amaze me what they can fill in that blank with. Like, what we do when my daughter washes a whole gallon of slime down the toilet or this, anybody else dealing with this slime thing? What is going on? We have a whole slime station in my garage right now. I'm like, what are we doing? So, but to answer that question, what do I do when my kid does this? It's the what and the when. What do I do? Say what. And when do I do it? Say when. What do you do and when do you do it? Last week I made a, a comment and it led to a really good conversation after, uh, after church at lunch and it was with, a, with a mom. I made the comment that there's actually not a scripture in the Bible that specifically says to love your kids. There's, there's not a scripture that says specifically, love your kids. And there's a lot of other scriptures that say it'll do a lot of other things to your kids. But there's not a scripture that specifically says, love your kid. And we, we got to talking about that, and I, I want to kind of expand on that just a little bit, because I think there's a reason why that scripture is unnecessary. Raise your hand if you're a parent. Now, let me just say something here. Your kid is the only human being that you didn't have to be told to love. It's the only human being you've ever met that you didn't have to be told to love. I just had one. We, we just did this again. We, and it, I, it, heaven's out, and there's this lot going on, as you know. And I look at and I'm like, oh, my God, I love this little wrinkly old man-looking thing. <laughs> I couldn't, it just... I've done this before. I, how do I still feel so strong for this little raisin? Like, what is, what is going on here? You, that, that's, no matter what anybody tries to tell you, there's no such thing as love at first sight, even with your spouse. You didn't walk in and see that person go, oh, I'm in love. No, you were in lust. There was a lot of things you were thinking, but love wasn't what it was. Let me help you with that. You, you fall in love with your spouse. Then you grow in love with your spouse. It's, it's something that takes time. Even your relationship with God. It's not something where like, I'm at immediately, I'm just totally, completely in love. It's just, most of the time, it's one of those things you grow in. You, it just, it develops. And with every other human being on the planet, except for a child, something happens when you see your, your, your child, your baby, and you just love them. I don't believe that the, the Bible needs to say love your kid. Because you will. If you don't have kids yet, trust me, you will. You will feel things for that child that you've never felt for any other human on the planet. It will be automatic. Jesus, let me just say it another way. You're not supposed to just love your child, and you don't just automatically love your child. Your child needs to verbally hear you declare your love for them. It's natural, it's automatic, it's in there, but they need to hear it. God the Father even declared his love over his own son when Jesus was going into his earthly ministry. It says he needed to be baptized by John the Baptist, so he goes and he's baptized, he comes up out of the water, and it says a voice from the heaven, which was the Father, says this is my, in Matthew, says this is my beloved son. What does beloved mean? The son I be loving. 
This is the son that I love. In other words, Jesus needed to hear that verbal affirmation from his father. Let me just say this right here. This is so simple, especially men in this room. You can forever change. Cody talked about his family background, how he was the first man to pursue God and the rest are atheists. Can I just say you very potentially could change the course of your entire family just by starting to tell your young men, your young sons, hey, I love you. I just want to, I want you to know I love you. You can make them tough. You can train them. You can do all, take them hunting, take them fishing, take them golf, do all those things too and tell them you love them. Don't assume that they know. It's tragic to, to think that our fathers aren't telling their children, hey, just want you to know, I love you. Moms, it's more natural. Dads, it's like your tongue gets rigor mortis when you try to say love. <laughs> I, <laughs> tell your kids you love them. But let me just say this about, about love. Love does come natural. You do need to declare your love over your kids. But you only love your kids to the degree that you know love. It may come natural. It, it may come automatic. But what comes natural and automatic is the version of love that you know. It's the version of love that you've experienced before. You'll, you'll never... You'll never know how to love like the Father until you've known the love of the Father. And for many of us, we, we're naturally loving our kids. The second we see them, we're naturally loving them. And, and we, we talked about some of these last week. We're like, oh my God, I love my kids so much. I want to give them everything I never had. I, 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 that's what my love shows up like. I'm going to give them everything I never had, and they're going to get all these experiences, and we're going to go on vacations, and yada, yada, yada. You're giving them a love based on a love maybe you didn't have. So that, that's, what, that's the love that you know. I've heard parents say this. I've heard parents say, I'm sorry, I just... I, I was kind of raised in an abusive family, and, and in my, one of my parents disciplined me. It was in anger, and I just made a point. My kids are going to know. They're going to know that I love them. That's why we don't spank our kids. That's why, I don't, that's why we don't do that. You're, you're trying to love, but it's not the love of the Father, because the Bible says that the Father corrects those and disciplines those that he loves. But because you didn't see a loving correction, a loving discipline, you saw an angry, violent, potentially drunk discipline, you're like, no, I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. You can only give the love to your kids if you have that love on the inside of you. The Bible talks of it in, in multiple different scenarios. He talks about how the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, what's inside is going to come out. The Bible says you can't get both sweet and, 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 and sour water from one spring, one well. We know this in, in the oil field terms. You're not going to get fresh and brine water out of the same well. Why? Because you can't get it out unless it's already on the inside. Unless you have the love of God on the inside of you, unless you've encountered the love of God and you're growing in that love for him, the automatic love you give to your kids won't be the right kind of love. It'll be a tainted love. It'll be a twisted love, maybe even a performance-based love. You have to know the unconditional love of the Father. Uh, several years ago, um, in, in fact, uh, Miss Ann Smith's with us today. Ann Smith, raise your hand, Ann. I want everybody to see Ann Smith. This is a matriarch for the kingdom. I would say probably hundreds of thousands of people have given their lives to Christ because of you and your ministry. Can we just give Ann some honor this morning? Her and her husband had an incredible rodeo uh, ministry, and uh, her husband beat her to heaven, but 
uh, it, it's, it's incredible what they've done. And I remember years ago, Ann came to visit a, ser- a service, and um, I, I was preaching, and when I got done preaching, she said, um, she came up to me and she said, hey, do, have you ever heard of a guy named Joseph Prince? And I said, no, I've never, heard of, I've never heard of Joseph Prince. And she said, you really, you need to start watching Joseph Prince. Well, she was the third person. Actually, she was the first person of three in a short period of time that said this to me. And it was one of those things that I was like, okay, why do I keep, I didn't know who Joseph Prince, raise your hand if you know who Joseph Prince, you've heard of Joseph Prince. Um, Joseph Prince is, is, a, is a, a TV preacher, if you want to call him that. He's on TV a lot. And, but it was at that time that I, I remember one day I was leaving my apartment and I heard the Lord through the voice of Ann Smith saying, Joseph Prince. And I knew the Lord was saying, turn on the TV right now. I turned on the TV, Joseph Prince literally happened to be on at that very moment. And what began to happen for me was I heard someone preach what is commonly known now as the gospel of grace. Raise your hand if you heard that term, the gospel of grace. It's kind of a thing in the church world right now. Everyone's talking about it. Some really like it, some really don't. And, uh, but I heard that for the first time someone preach on this gospel of grace. And I mean, it, I cannot even put into words the way it impacted me. I've been a Christian my whole life, but something happened through this that I've never experienced before. And uh, I've learned later now, I've got friends in ministry all over the country, all over the world. That whole, when when I say, man, the Lord radically changed my, 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 my heart, my life through the gospel of grace, some people, they like, oh, you're, you're one of those. Because what the way they've heard it preached and some things that they've seen it do in the church world, they weren't all positive. I remember when I first, evidence of this, I had a preacher uh, call me one time from the Dallas-Fort Worth area and say, hey, I heard you're preaching grace. And I was like, well, well, yeah. Oh, that's good. I'd like for you to come be a guest speaker at my church. And I was like, well, okay, I guess I could, I could do that. And uh, he's like, yeah, I had to get out of it. And then he named one of a, a very, a very healthy, prominent church in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He said, oh, yeah, I had to get the heck out of there because they ain't preaching grace. And I'm like, it's interesting that you got grace and it caused you to judge. And now all of a sudden, you're the policeman for the grace message. And I said, you know, I, I, I think my schedule has recently just gotten clogged back up. I don't believe I'll be able to come to your church. I'm not going to come and perpetuate this, this judgment. And, and I'm only saying that to say, whatever happened with some that got that message, I don't know. I, I'll tell you what happened to me. I didn't get a message and I didn't get a principle. I got introduced to a person. When I heard this preached in such a way where all of a sudden Jesus actually became a real person to me. The Heavenly Father became a real person to me. The Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one does what? Goes to the Father except through Him. It was through that message that I didn't just learn grace. Grace is when you get what you don't deserve. I learned mercy when you don't get what you do deserve. I was the worst internal judger of myself. I, I judged myself so harshly. I was so aware of what I was not. And all of a sudden, to hear a message that says, I don't even have permission to judge me because he's not judging me, that everything that I did do wrong, although I didn't deserve the love of God, Jesus put himself in a position where he didn't deserve the love of God by carrying my sins for me so that I could deserve the love of God. It, it wasn't just a principle. It wasn't just a message. I, something happened on the inside of me. And all of a sudden, I started connecting to the tangible I mean, tangible love of God. Now, mind you, I've been a Christian my whole life, but God was the greatest boss I'd ever worked for, not a father. And all of a sudden, he became a a father to me. And I mean, the weirdest thing happened. I started having emotions. (laughs) 
And like the first time they showed up, I'm like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing here? Why, why am I crying? Yeah. And I mean, the Lord began to, I would get in work. All I wanted to do was worship. That's all I wanted to do. I would get in my, I would study Jesus and grace. And, and all of a sudden, I just didn't want to do anything else but worship. And I would literally physically lay down in my office and I would worship in ways I had never worshiped before. I just wanted to worship. I, the gospel of grace didn't say, hey, you can go do whatever you want. The gospel of grace connected me to the Father I was always supposed to be connected to. Here, here's why that is so important. If you don't understand grace, if you don't embrace the mercy of God, the mercy seat, if you don't do what the Scripture says and come boldly before the throne of grace every single day and receive mercy and allow the mercy and the grace of Jesus to connect you to the unconditional love of a father, you'll never be able to give the unconditional, that unconditional love to your children. Being able to, loving is a natural response, but only to the degree that you know love. And if you don't truly know the love of the father, you'll never be able to give your kids the love of the father. It has to be experienced. It has to be on the inside of you. On the inside of you first. Full disclosure, I was kind of nervous when we found out we were pregnant because we, um, <laughs> we were pregnant like I was pregnant. I love how we say that. Like, we just had a baby. You didn't do nothing. <laughs> Trust me, I saw what happened. I did not do that. Uh, <laughs> Leanne's not here to defend herself, so I'm going to get them all out while I can. Uh, I, I was a little nervous because I, when, I, when we had our last, Riley, our, our youngest, she was two when this happened in me. She was two, Susanna was five, so they didn't, they didn't, I didn't know the father the way I knew him when they knew me in those very crucial fundamental years, zero to five. I don't know if there's, it, it's amazing the, the, the course you set for your kids in zero to five, zero to six. It's, it's funny how, if you just get it right on the front and how it impacts things. And I remember being nervous because I was like, okay, I don't, I, I used to be really confident when it came to parenting. Like, like I knew what I wanted to do and I knew my stuff and yada, yada, yada. But all of a sudden I became really aware that I know the father completely different now than I did nine years ago. I don't know what I'm going to do with this new one. And I told our kids, I was like, look, your sister's going to turn out great. Y'all, <laughs> she's getting the good stuff. You have to, you have, to have it in there for it to come out. So yeah, you automatically love your kids, but you want that whatever's automatic, you want it to be that good stuff. That unconditional agape love of the Father. Let me cruise through these last two. And again, we're talking about what. What to do when your kid does what. What? What are the what's? First of all, love. It's automatic. Second thing is to train and instruct. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to train and instruct your kids. Proverbs 22, 6 says this, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he won't depart from it. Ephesians 6, 4 says, fathers, do not provoke, provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. I'm going to say this. I don't really have time to fluff this one up, so I got to kind of hit you right between the eyes with it. It is not the job of the church to train and instruct your kids. It's your job. We're here to support you and create another environment that the Bible talks about when, when, when believers gather together, Jesus shows up, God shows up, in a, in a, his, his presence shows up different in groups like that. That's really the most important job uh, of this service is to see what happens in a corporate environment. But there's no scripture that says the church is responsible for the instruction and the training of your kids. That's you. 
And for some of you, I just felt this real strong, especially fathers. Some of you fathers. Again, I'm not trying to be too harsh, but I'm just, I'm asking you and I'm believing for a heart change to happen in you today where you say, you know what, I'm no longer going to perpetuate the lifestyle of myself, my flesh, and, and my family that's in the past. As for me and my house, we will serve God. I will train my kids up. I will instruct my kids in his ways. Man, I, I, I can't do that. I just, I just don't know very much Bible. I just don't know a whole lot about the Bible. This is where I'm fixing to get really, this, this is going to be really deep, so you'll have to really kind of hunker down to get this. If you don't know a lot about the Bible, read it. It's wild, huh? That's why they pay me the big bucks to get to wear the microphone, because I know stuff like that. Like, oh, I, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not good at reading. You're, you were born and God knew you weren't going to be good at reading. He knew you. And so he puts you in this time period when we have little smartphones. They'll read for you. I'll even do you one better. Guess what? If you'll just come to church, I'll read it to you. There's really not a good excuse to say, I, I, I'm sorry, I just don't know the Bible. Then get to know the Bible. Better yet, start believing the Bible actually can change your life. Ramp up the hunger. Stoke up the fire. Believe that what's in here can actually change your life. And then take that, and it's whatever elementary form it is. And I'll just say this. I, man, I feel the, the, the power of God is on this. You'll be surprised the profound things God will do in your children when you'll do the simple thing of just talking to them about him. You say, I don't, they're, 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 now they're older, now they're 16, 17, 18, I, I've missed all those years. You just do the simple, take the simple step of faith and watch God redeem the time. We're called to instruct and train our kids. Third, third thing I brought up was we're called to discipline and correct. Discipline and correct, and we talked about this a little bit earlier. It's, it's a part of the love of God. He disciplines and corrects those that he loves. To be clear, discipline and correction should never come before training and instruction. If you're, if, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're disciplining, correcting your kids on something that they didn't know, then you're, you're actually abusing your kid. You're not showing grace and mercy. The first thing you do is you train and instruct. Then when they rebel against the training and they rebel against the instruction, that's when you bring the discipline and the correction. Anything else is just you needing to get in control of your own emotions. Especially in the South. We love to talk about, oh, we whoop our kids, we do this. No, you, you lose your temper. That's what you do. And it's doing nothing but the opposite for your kid. So you never do those, you never discipline and correct before there's training and correction. But I, I will say this, I, I used to not know this. There's actually two types of, of correction and discipline talked about in the Bible. I used to say, well, it's, it's a rod of correction, but there's actually two. First Kings chapter one, verse six says this. Now his father, King David, this is a story about one of David's kids, King David's kids who was off the rails. It says, now his father, King David, had never disciplined him at any time, even by what? Asking. You might be surprised what might happen in your kid's life if you just care enough to say, hey, what are you doing? Hey, why are you doing that? Hey, why did you pour slime down the kimono? Hey, why are you eating the dog food? And, they, and it only gets more and more serious. Hey, 
Why do you feel the need to dress like that? Why do, why do you feel the need to dress like that? To our daughters. Why, why do you, what's making you feel like you need to dress like that? What's making you think you've got to go to those parties? What's making you think you've got to do this to be cool? What is it in you that makes you feel like you've got to do that? That's, that's the starting point. And then there's Proverbs 23, 13, 14. We know this. It says, don't fail to discipline your kids. They won't die if you spank them. That's actually a scripture. It's in the Bible right there. It says, physical discipline may well save them from death. You ain't going to kill them. And, I, and, I, and I'm not going to give an age. I, I'll just say this. I, over the years, I've learned that the better I do at starting the way the Lord says to start and asking and getting them involved, and I get better at training, and I get, when I just know the love of the Father more, what happens is when I feel like my kid needs a spanking, they happen less and less, and it's time, it's time to stop doing that earlier and earlier. And so we've, I think that's kind of been a trend in our life, and I'm, it's, it's, I'm going to leave that up to you to what that looks like. But um, <laughs> the million-dollar question, this is asked all the time, well, how do you know the difference? When do you ask? When do you spank? Anybody else wondering that same thing? It's like, okay, well, when do I, when do, I do this? And then what's, the, what's the details? Can I just say this? There's probably not a lot of details <laughs> in Scripture about your specific situation. There's no scripture that says, when thou son smoketh a doobie. <laughs> it ain't in there. I already checked. <laughs> Some of the details, they're, they're not in there. They're, the specifics aren't in there. <laughs> Tell you a little bit about Hebrews chapter 5. This is kind of one of my go-tos, Hebrews chapter 5. The book of Hebrews has historically been given credit the Apostle Paul has historically been given credit for the book of Hebrews. Over time, different theologians say, well, it was Apollos, it was Luke, it was Matthew, it was Priscilla. And uh, so th there's kind of some differences of opinion, I should say. But every single one of these, in fact, the original text says this is from Paul to the Hebrews. But every single one of them agree this is a church leader to their followers or other church people. So don't you, I'm going to read Hebrews chapter 5 to you for just a second. And put yourself in, if I talk to you like this, if I as your church leader, your pastor, talk to you like this, listen to this. Says, There's so much more I'd like to say to you about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Can't you feel the love in the church? You've been believers so long that you ought to be teachers uh, teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and does not know how to do what is right. So who is he saying doesn't know right from wrong? Babies. Babies. So solid food is for those who are mature. So he's fixing to talk to us about mature people who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. And more, the, more, the, the original translation, is who, it says this. It says, having their senses exercised to discern, so it, it adds a spiritual word, not just a skill, but discern good and evil. Having their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Can I just say this? You'll never know how to train your kids if you yourself are not in training. If, you're, if, you, if you ain't, I'll go country. If you ain't working on you, you can't work on them. 
so much of this, it's like we can sit there and look at our kids all day long and go, oh my God, what is wrong with them? Why do you act like this? Why, why are you screaming at your mother while you scream at them? I don't know where they got that, this whole screaming thing. There's so, there's so much of it that starts with you. We talked about it at the very beginning. From knowing the love of the Father. You want your kids to know the love of the Father? It starts with you knowing the love of the Father and showing them what it looks like. You want to, show your, you want to see kids that are disciplined, that honor authority? It starts with you putting yourself in training and, ask, and let the Holy Spirit begin to talk to you. Let the Bible begin to talk to you and say, hey, this little thing that you've been doing, we need to stop that. This thing where every time you turn around, you're bad-mouthing your boss to your coworkers. You're talking to your kids about how stupid their coaches are. Uh, oh, oh, If, I, I mean, I'm just, let's ask yourself the question. Why would your kids honor their coaches, their, their teachers, their, their whoever else authority? If you don't. But remember, we're capturing authority. When we, when we work on us, when we put us under training, and we start walking through things in us, we're, we're gaining the authority to speak those things into our children, to work on those things in the lives of our children. There's just got to be a, something has to happen for this next generation to have what we didn't have. It's going to start with parents saying, you know what, I'm going to do what maybe my parents didn't do. It's not about judgment or shaming or any of those things. Get over it. Get free from whatever issues are in there. But then make a decision. As for me and my house, we will serve God. We will do things different than those that, 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 that raised me. I will do things different. I will pursue God. I will submit myself to training so that I have my senses exercised. I have the skill set to discern good and evil. So when my kid comes up and says something to me and I'm like, is that a truth or is that a lie? Did you go to that party or did you not go to that party? I think the answer is yes, but I don't have the evidence yet. <laughs> you, the Bible says when you exercise your own senses, all of a sudden that discernment to know what's going on in the lives of your kid comes. It starts right here with you. It starts right here with us. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.